0: Welcome to the surprise version of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Today is September 28th, 2018, 1125 p.m. I just decided uh, out of the blue to turn this thing on. It has not been on in over a month. And when I did the last show back in mid-August, I did not expect that uh, that would be the end of Poker Fraud Alert Radio for quite some time. And uh, before you get too excited that you think we're back, we're really not, I just decided to turn this on and do a short show and explain what's been happening. And even though I probably sound normal, I probably sound the same on the surface, from how you remember me. The last show I did was on uh, August 15th, today uh, being September 28th. So we've got about a month and a half since the last show. And as I said, I probably sound normal to you, but I'm not. Sometimes appearances can be deceiving and sometimes sounds can be deceiving. And that's definitely the case here. So this show is going to be short. Don't expect four hours. Don't expect eight hours. Don't even expect two hours. Uh, if I go one, that will be more than I'm expecting to do. And you'll understand why when I explain what is happening. So I'm going to tell you what's going on with me. And then if I still feel okay, I'll quickly cover some other topics which have been on my mind recently obviously no free roll during this show. And uh, when will the next one be? I don't know. In fact, uh, if doing this show ends up hurting me physically, either during the show or after, I I probably won't do something like this again until I'm all better. But I miss it. I miss being out here. I miss uh, the interaction with the audience. I miss having this show. I feel bad that People who have come to enjoy and expect this show have not had it. So maybe just hearing a little bit of this, maybe just a little bit back to the familiar will be better for everybody. So here's what's going on. On August 15th, 2018, that was the last show we did, and and I felt fine. There, There was no problem on August 15th. Uh, the only problem that I really knew about on August 15th was my weight, and that was I had uh, weighed more on August 15th than I had at any point in my life, and that concerned me a little bit. I wasn't to the point where I was uh, obese, but I was heavier than I had ever been, and I had gained about 15 pounds over about four or five-month period. And I, I was realizing that if I didn't get control over it, that uh, it might cause long-term health problems or an early death or something like that. So you know, being 46 years old with a, a young child, I didn't want that and knew it was time to go on a diet. So I actually posted on Poker Fraud Alert on August 15th in the early morning at 1.17 a.m. Uh, a weight loss thread that I was going to start losing weight. And I, I had actually blamed hot dog on a stick of all things for the beginning of my weight gain. Because what had happened is I I was at the mall for something right after I'd eaten dinner and I had to wait about an hour for something. So I was, uh, I walked over to the food court and said, oh, hot dog on a stick. It kind of sounds good. So I had that too. I pretty much had two dinners that night and it seemed like my stomach stretched. And every day after that, I felt very hungry. And I just kept eating kind of the equivalent of two dinners each night. So I started gaining weight, as you might guess. And uh, on August 15th, my weight was uh, about 241 pounds, which is the most I've ever been. But that was my only problem. That was my only problem. Immediately following that, I think probably starting two days after that, I I think maybe the 17th is when it began, I started to feel a weird sensation, and that was a lump in my throat. A lump meaning like, felt like something was lodged in my throat, not like I was choking on it, but felt like, yeah, kind of the way you might feel if you have a cold and you have some congestion in your throat. It just felt like it was there, and I couldn't clear it. Now, I had had this somewhat prior to that, uh, especially if I would like drink orange juice right before bed. Um, I'd notice right when I drink the orange juice, I'd kind of feel that lump, but it would go away within like half an hour, so no big deal. That was in the past. Uh, that was kind of an early sign of what was to come. But but here, it wasn't from drinking orange juice or anything. I, I just felt this lump starting kind of in the middle of the day. It wasn't going away. And then when it was time to go to sleep, I had something even more disturbing, and that was a choking sensation. As soon as I would lie down, it would feel like I couldn't breathe. feel like my throat was blocked by this lump. So, of course, I'd stand up, and I'd walk around, and then, then once I was standing, I could breathe again. I'd lie back down, same thing, over and over. Now, imagine the torture of that. Imagine you're tired, you want to go to sleep, and if you lie down, you feel like you're choking. Imagine that. That's uh, a fate I would wish upon no one. That when it's time to go to bed, uh, you feel like you can't breathe if you try to lay down to go to sleep. So for the first few nights, what I would do, uh, it was it was very, very disturbing to have this happening. So what, what I would just start doing to uh, get my mind off of what was happening is I, I would turn on uh, something to watch. So what I was actually doing is... Uh, I was watching old Hawaii Five O episodes. I'm a big 1970s Hawaii Five O fan. So I was watching that to kind of uh, get my mind off of it. And, and it was kind of working because what was happening then is I, I started noticing myself uh, dozing during the show. This is when I was, like, very tired. I was, like, starting to notice that I'm dozing. And I'm like, oh, good, 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 I'm falling asleep. But the problem is I couldn't fall asleep because I I, I can't fall asleep with stuff making noise in the background like that. I, I can have like a fan in the background, but I can't have a, a show or someone talking or whatever. So um, I'd start to notice myself falling asleep. I'd quickly close the laptop, but then that would wake me up enough to where I would be aware of the throat thing again. And I, I realized very quickly it was in my head or probably in my head because, um, especially because when I'd be asleep, I wouldn't feel it. So if my throat was really closing when I'd be lying down, then I would not be able to sleep. But since I was able to sleep once I was sleeping, then clearly it was something in my head, it was a perception, I was a conscious perception I was having that I couldn't breathe when I really could. And you can't just talk yourself out of it. You can't just say, oh yeah, I know I can really breathe. Uh, you know, you can't just reason yourself out of this. It, it's, uh, to me, the sensation is I can't breathe. My brain is telling me I can't breathe. There's no way for me to overrule that. I wish there was there there is not. So as you might imagine, this was uh very, very unnerving, very, very frustrating, very, very uh, anxiety inducing. And uh, I went to the doctor. I went to an ear nose and throat doctor within uh, a short time of this occurring. And I also did a lot of research online. And I found I, before I even went to the doctor, I figured out what I probably had. It was something called uh, LPR. And that's also known as a laryn- laryngopharyngeal reflux. And that's basically, um, it's sort of related to heartburn, but it's also very different. And it's very, very difficult to treat. It's very difficult to understand the cause of it. It can have many different causes. It can have many different symptoms. And it can have many different treatments. And for some people, no treatment works. Some people have had it uh, for decades and can't get rid of it. Some people believe it's a condition for life once you have it. And others have been able to solve it or mostly solve it. But the, the frustrating thing with it is that there is no cure. There's no magic medicine to take it away. And what works for one person can completely fail for another. The majority of people who have it never get rid of it. So uh, it's, it's a very bad thing to have. And, and so I went to the doctor and he used this thing called... Uh, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, but it's a it's a flexible tube. It's kind of the looks like a a black piece of spaghetti. It's it's narrow. It's uh, flexible. It's like looks like a rubber a thin rubber tube. It's kind of scary looking, but they put it up your nose. It has a light at the end of it. They put it up your nose after they numb your nose, and uh, then it actually goes through your nose and down your throat. But but you don't gag from it. It's uh it's actually a lot. Scarier than than it actually is when you have it done. So the guy did that, and that was fine. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't that unpleasant that uh, examination. And he looked through it, and he told me that he sees some redness in my throat, and he said it seems like I have this LPR, like I thought I probably did. And he told me to. Yeah, at the time, I wasn't as aware about how hard it was to get rid of this. So the way the doctor made it sound, you just go on Nexium. Those are known as PPIs. You go on a PPI like Nexium, you do it for uh, about two weeks, and you're pretty much all better. You just, uh, you know, you go on the Nexium, you, you, you do a few other modifications, and, and that's that, you're better. Doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> a few lucky people can have something like Nexium cure their LPR in two weeks. But but for most others, no. For most people, that fails. I was also getting side effects from the Nexium that I did not like. So I got off that. I was on it for about 10 days between that and Prilosec, which is very similar. But I quit them. And uh, about five days after getting the LPR symptoms... Something else came on, and I noticed that I had, for the first time in my life, I had an anxiety disorder. For those of you that have never had an anxiety disorder, you may not understand what it's like. And I I will tell you, I didn't understand what it was like until experiencing it, because I've never had any kind of anxiety disorder, depression disorder, no kind of psychiatric disorder in my life, never. And I, I had people saying, "Oh, come on, Jeff. You you always seem like you're anxious. You know, sometimes your, you know, uh, World Series event isn't going as well as you want, or you get frustrated because a customer service experience doesn't go well, and and, and it bothers you. And you know, I, I see a lot of anxiousness. No, I don't. Uh, have I gotten frustrated or, or stressed out by things before? Yes, of course. But uh, but everybody does. Some people more than others. But I've never had any kind of anxiety disorder. And when you hear about somebody having an anxiety disorder, you, you can just you feel like telling them, well, just stop worrying so much. Or you you hear someone has depression, you just say, well, be happier, smile, uh, think about the way your life really is. Like like Kurt Cobain, for example, he had depression and he killed himself. This was a, a very famous musician who was very very influential on early '90s music. Uh, he was very much admired, very much liked, uh, obviously very rich. He had a life that uh, most people would want, except for the part maybe being married to Courtney Love. But uh, this is a guy you would think would be the last one to be depressed, and yet he killed himself because he suffered from depression. So the the mind is a very powerful thing, and uh, your conscious mind cannot override these disorders or at least it's very tough to do it. There's something called cognitive behavioral the- uh, therapy where you can try to do that and try to train your mind to override these type of things. But but for the most part, it, it's it's a very, very hard thing to do. And I knew that, but I didn't understand it until I went through it myself. But for the second half of August, or st- shall I say starting from the second half of August, I had, uh, I, I guess it was the second, the last third of August to be more more exact, I had uh, a severe anxiety disorder with with panic attacks. And I had it brought on probably by this LPR and the sensation that I couldn't go to sleep without choking. That's probably what did it to me after about five days of that. And uh, I I didn't know it at the time, but I also developed depression. And that was a strange feeling. That's something I never had before. I've had situational depression where certain things aren't going well. And I'm depressed about what's happening, but this is very different. Um, a, a depression disorder is where you're just always down and, and everything, nothing can make you happy, and everything is just kind of a downer to you, good or bad. You watch something funny, you don't laugh, you don't even chuckle inside, you just watch, oh, Okay. I'm a big Dodgers fan. I watch games and see them uh, with an exciting comeback victory. I'm happy as a Dodgers fan they won, but I don't feel any kind of excitement. Uh, even simple things like uh, like driving, where uh, you know, I would get a kind of euphoria driving the car fast on an open road. That especially with music playing in the background that I like. No, that was gone too. Couldn't do that either. Everything in life became Either sad, frustrating, or mundane. And I, I couldn't overrule it. I couldn't just say, okay, well I'll feel better. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just look at the good things in life and be happy about it. You can't do it. You can't override it. And if you've never experienced it before, trust me. That, uh, if you were to get that, you couldn't override it. And I thought that was part of the anxiety at first. I didn't realize that I also had depression. Now again, I never had this stuff in my life before. Never. 46 years old, never had that. Never thought I'd get it, because that is unusual. Usually, if you were to get these things, they would start much earlier in life, either when you're a kid, a teenager, 20s, sometimes early 30s. Mid-40s is it's uncommon to start, but, but it did for me. And I, I believe it's because of the LPR. I believe it was the psychological stress of, of every time I was lying down, I couldn't breathe. And then... Also, the knowledge that this is not an easy thing to get rid of, and I, I think it just kind of all weighed down on me, and that uh, showed up. So, the reason I haven't done radio is that one thing you're not supposed to do with LPR is talk a lot. You're supposed to rest your voice, you're not supposed to yell. You're not supposed to talk a whole lot uninterrupted. What do I do on this show? I talk a whole lot uninterrupted. And in fact, I was finding, because I was talking to family and close friends about this and explaining what was going on. So I talked to a lot of different people, giving them updates on what was happening. So I was on the phone a lot, and every time I'd get off the phone, I'd be on the phone like half an hour and and feel the LPR getting worse. And I'd regret having had that conversation. So as you can imagine, radio wasn't something that uh, seemed like I could do. So that's, uh, that was the beginning. And the really frustrating thing is that this is not something that just easily goes away. And... um, I'm talking about the LPR thing. It, it's not something that just disappears on its own. You have to experiment. You have to try to figure out what will work for you. And medical science has not studied it very well. In fact, I read papers. I've, I've spent countless hours in the month, last month and a half reading about LPR from a lot of different sources, from uh, people who've had it, who currently have it, that are... Describing their experiences and what's worked for them or what hasn't worked for them, I've read medical journals, I've read uh, National Institute of Health papers, I have uh, read websites that were put together specifically about it. I've become an LPR expert, and uh, I, I, it was it's it's very frustrating. Because I realize that this is not something like a cold, which is just going to go away. This is not something where you say, okay, I'm sick right now, but I know in two months I'll be better. I know in three months I'll be better. I know in two weeks I'll be better. You can't say this with LPR. I could be here 10 10 years later and still have it. It could be worse than 10 years. You don't know. And it's never going to go away on its own. Or it's unlikely. I shouldn't say never. It's unlikely to go away. It's Is it possible that I will stumble upon something that either cures it or controls it? Yes. Uh, is it possible I won't? Yeah, very possible. So that that is a very very frustrating thing, and and something as simple as sleep, which has always come easy to me. I, I could just go to sleep whenever at any time and provided I was tired I could fall asleep very quickly and sleep well and I was always grateful for that I was always uh happy that I was not one of these people with sleeping difficulties because I knew that would be miserable if I had it but thankfully I didn't have it up until a month and a half ago and then sleep became very difficult now once I'd fall asleep then it was was pretty good. I'd wake up more than I used to, but for the most part, I could get back to sleep if I fell asleep again quickly. So it was the matter of falling asleep in the first place that was so tough. Now, in the last month and a half, I've only found one thing that helps me, but it only helps me somewhat. And it's not something that's supposed to help me. It's called biotin. It's a dry mouth rinse. (coughs) And I've always... Or at least for a long time, suffered from dry mouth, where your mouth just gets dry. But with LPR, it was more noticeable. So I told my girlfriend that, um, you know, about the dry mouth. She said, "Oh, there's rinses out there. Let me get you one." So she went and bought me one called BioTene Dry Mouth Rinse. And and one of the nights I tried the dry mouth rinse, when my, I was trying to go to sleep, my mouth fell dry. And then, boom, I fell asleep. And I told her, wow, that for, for once I, I fell asleep without this LPR choking me. Amazing. Next night, I tried the biotin again. Boom, fell asleep pretty quickly. Now, both nights I was really tired because I had a huge sleep deficit. But I said, wow, two nights in a row I fell asleep quickly. I go, you know what? I'm not sure about this yet, but I think the biotin does somewhat... Uh, bring down the symptoms. It doesn't remove them. It's only for a short time, but it seems to have some positive effect. I don't think it's curing anything, but I think it's at least masking (coughs) these symptoms. The coughing I'll explain in a second too. That's not related to this, believe it or not. So that's the only thing that I found that actually helps so far, at least for me. Um, so, so for a while, all, what I was dealing with was a combination of, uh, this LPR, anxiety and depression that was pretty severe. You may say, well, why don't you just go get medicated for depression or for anxiety? Why why not just go get on meds? Well, I had never looked into that before because I never needed it. When I did look into it, I I found, unfortunately, that anxiety and depression, and I've learned a lot more about that and feel for people who've had to deal with that their whole lives because it's miserable, that that is not just a matter of just popping a pill and you're great. Uh, There is a pill that most people can pop and feel great for a few hours, and that's Xanax. But Xanax has big downsides in that it's very addictive. It's not meant for long-term use. Your body habituates to it very quickly, and it only gives you a few hours of relief. If you could take something, if there was such a thing that existed that you could take, like Xanax, that would give you the same feeling, but last the entire day, and not have side effects, and not have an addictive quality, and not have withdrawal symptoms, then that would be a miracle drug that would make uh, millions of people happy, because it's very effective. And it, it does, it, it, it brings people up from depression, it, 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 it uh, brings down anxiety, it, it, it does a lot, it does a lot of good things, but it's only for a short time. So I took one, and I felt normal for about, uh, well, for the first 45 minutes, I felt weird, kind of like too sedated, but then that lifted, and about 45 minutes in, for about the next two and a half hours following that, I felt great. I felt like I used to. And then it wore off. And then I kind of went back to what I was before. (laughs) And then the next day I was like very, very, very drowsy, which I didn't like, which is a side effect of, uh, or an after effect of Xanax. (coughs) So uh, I decided I didn't want to keep doing Xanax unless really necessary. So I, I, I haven't done it again since. I will, if necessary, but um, I, it's not something I want to go down the road of doing. I did try one of these longer-term medications that is meant for long-term use, and I couldn't—I couldn't handle the uh, the side effects. So that's the problem. The ones that are meant for long-term use—they take a few weeks to work. They don't work for everybody, and for some people, it uh, it's just ineffective. And you have to go through two weeks of hell, for at least for some people, of side effects before you find out if they work or not. So it's not even like you say, well, I'll tough out these two terrible weeks, and then I'll feel great. No, sometimes you'll go tough out for the two weeks, and then you'll, you'll find out that uh, it didn't work for you. And then you've got to try some other medication and tough out those side effects for, for weeks. Uh, also, there are side effects that never go away. And the, the medications for anxiety and depression also have a very undesirable effect on males and that is you can't get it up and, and i knew that was uh something that was possible and sure enough it happened and uh, that gave me anxiety to be honest i like I knew what it was from it's not like I thought it was impotent all of a sudden but like just just the fact that I couldn't get it up was like really 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 bothersome to me and I didn't think it would be. I thought it would be something that, that I, I wouldn't like. But I, I didn't know that like not being able to do that would in itself give me anxiety, but it did. So I quit I quit all that. I, I didn't. I tried it for one day, and I had side effects I hated, and I said, I, I can't stand this even for two weeks. Even if it goes back, even if I get used to it and the side effects go away after two weeks, I, I can't handle it. Just all these things together, so I'm miserable. So I, I got off it. So it's not that simple. It's not that simple to just go treat anxiety and depression. Now, I've had some times where I have felt better. I've had some times where just it seems like it lifts, or mostly lifts. And then I get all excited that I'm, I'm that the, at least the anxiety and depression part is going away, and then, it, then it's right back again. So it's very frustrating. And sometimes this just happens with no rhyme or reason. So I don't have the type of anxiety where I'm like sitting here worrying about everything. I, I have the type that it's just like kind of a stress and heaviness on me that uh, is 24 hours a day, or at least the portion of the day I'm, I'm conscious, some days more than others. Now, I have been able to control it somewhat in the month of September uh, or most of the month of September, just just by kind of habituating to how I had been feeling, and also just kind of learning to talk myself down when the anxiety would get higher. Like I, 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 when I'd start feeling it build, I would be able to somewhat keep it from getting past like a medium level. So I've improved that way. And the depression has also somewhat lifted. It's not completely gone, but it's it's also lifted to where I I can enjoy things now. I can get excited about things now. Uh, I can laugh at things now. And I still don't feel normal. And I still have this LPR. And the reason I was coughing is I, I caught a cold from Benjamin on Sunday... And when that happened, I was really, really worried because I said, oh, no, can you imagine adding a cold on top of this? I'm already having throat problems and breathing problems. Can you imagine? But a cold on top of that now? Oh, my God, that's going to be awful. Well, amazingly, it wasn't. Amazingly, the cold actually helped some of the LPR symptoms. Like, I wasn't feeling – I was choking when I was lying down anymore once I had this cold. And I said, hmm, what's that about? And I still haven't figured it out. But something about the cold – Well, I have some theories, but I won't bother getting into it now. But something about the cold actually improved some of the symptoms. It didn't make it go away, but something about the cold actually improved some of the LPR symptoms. Not all of them, but it, it, it seemed to make the LPR less troublesome to me. And it wasn't even a bad cold. As far as colds go, it wasn't even that bad. That's why you probably can't even hear it in my voice right now, except for the coughing I do every so often. Uh, the cold, the cold's pretty much subsiding now. I've got a cough. I've got a little. You know, I sneeze sometimes. I still have to blow up my nose sometimes, but it's pretty mild at this point. And uh, and I can feel the LPR symptoms coming back. And others have reported this too. i I've, I've, I've been reading on forums and other places uh, about LPR, and I have found posts going back to 2005 where some people talked about when they had a cold their lpr symptoms disappeared some of them completely disappeared for people didn't completely disappear for me but for them it did but then when they got better from the cold then the symptoms came right back uh, i took a mail order test for pepsins because pepsins uh are it's it's a used for digestion it's in your stomach a theory about lpr is that pepsins go into your throat and basically start digesting it. They're not supposed to be there, and that's what causes LPR. That's that's the prevailing theory at the moment. It's not the same as heartburn. I don't feel pain. You know, heartburn, also, you know, GERD, it's, it's associated with heartburn. That's where your your stomach uh, shoots acid up into your esophagus, and it's very painful. I've never had that in my life. I still don't have it. I, I don't know, know what that feels like. It's that, never happened to me. So I'd, this is a different type of reflux where it's supposed to be sending pepsins up that you can't feel, so you don't even know what's happening, but then they get up there and they start to digest your throat. And that's supposedly what's causing a lot of people's LPR. So there's a thing called a pep test where because pepsins are supposed to stay in your saliva that you spit into a tube, three different tubes at three time, different times a day, and you mail the tube back, the tubes back to uh, England where the test is being performed, and they tell you how much pepsin is in your saliva. And, and they've determined, you know, depending on how much they find, whether they're going to be diagnosing you with LPR based upon your pepsins. So I said, well, this is very interesting. I'm definitely going to do this. And there's a lot of terrible tests you otherwise have to take to try to verify this. Like there's one called the pH mitri test where they put something in your throat for 24 hours. Can you believe this? You've got to, for 24 hours have this thing in your throat. Can you imagine how awful that would be? So there's no way I'm going to do something like that. I, I couldn't stand it. But spitting in a tube? Talk about easy. So it's not cheap. It cost me like 166 bucks, but I, I did it and I shipped it to England and, uh, they did the test. And this, you might wonder, how many pepsins? Huh? What concentration of pepsins were found in my saliva? Zero point zero. Yeah, zero. Hmm. So what the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> the test is not perfect. There's some controversy about it. There's some people who think it's useless. There's some people that think it's the way of the future. And when I say people, I mean like experts. Like Experts totally disagree on the pep test of whether it's uh, effective or not. Whether it's useful. Whether it's accurate. In fact, experts disagree on LPR. There's no consensus about it. It's poorly studied. It's poorly understood. I read papers on LPR that were written 10 years ago that could have easily been written yesterday. That's how little has been accomplished with LPR in the past 10 years. There's supposedly some research being done right now on finding a medication that is LPR-specific, so they don't just put you on Nexium, which is really aimed at GERD, which doesn't work for most people with LPR, that uh, they're trying to come up with medication to target pepsins. But if I really don't have pepsins in my throat, which I think I may not, then my LPR is not from reflux. And I think there's a good chance it's not. What is it from? I don't know. Could be from a lot of things. So I'm I, I have scheduled something called a video stroboscopy where they're gonna put that same thin tube down my nose and instead of just looking this time they're going to make a high definition slow motion recording of my throat moving as I make different sounds and that can give them a good picture of what's going on. And they, they won't be able to see the cause probably of this, but they can see if there's anything vocally that happened because it, it's possible this show did this to me. It's possible that this radio show, not this particular episode of course, but doing this show once a week for four to eight hours uh, eventually did this to me. And, and uh, it's something called vocal abuse. That's why a lot of people who suffer from LPR are ones who are professional singers or teachers or others who use their voice a whole lot. Though those people typically do it several days a week, where for me, I only use my voice a whole lot one day per week, but I used it a whole lot. So, Uh, I don't know if perhaps that did it or that contributed to it. I do wonder if that's true, how come I could have done it all these years and this just happened now. And how did this happen so quickly? How did I go from fine on August 15th to terrible on August 17th? So there's a lot of questions unanswered, but this isn't just something where you go to the doctor and they give you a diagnosis and they're right and they give you some medication or even do some surgery and you're better. There's a lot of unknown with LPR. And there's a lot of things that would seem like would be obvious to do from this point, which are actually not obvious. People have asked you, asked me, why don't you get an endoscopy? Well, because I've read reports from people who've had endoscopies where their LPR gets worse from the endoscopy, or they, they start getting heartburn after the endoscopy where they didn't have it before. Also, endoscopies have not shown very much for most people with LPR. For GERD, they're useful, but not, not LPR. So... I'm taking it slowly. I'm trying to do things that are not very invasive or very high risk as far as trying to solve it. And if those things all fail, you know, I'm still left with a big question mark over my head, then I'll see what I want to do from there. I, I can't ever see myself getting surgery for this unless I'm really sure that it's going to help because the surgeries have actually been known to Either just fail to where they don't help or, even worse, bring on other problems or have complications. That's the last thing I want. I'm one who definitely doesn't take surgery lightly. I, I never want surgery unless it's absolutely necessary. If I knew surgery would, would fix this, sure, I'd do it. Even knowing there could be some complications. Even though there's a risk. Because this is miserable. But if someone said you could have surgery and there's a 30% chance it's going to solve it, No. Fifty percent for fifty percent? No, it's not worth it. I, I don't really know what the percentage is, but I know it's not that high. Um, some people have said, "What's the big deal? You know, um, uh, you, you're you're not dying. Uh, you know, so you have some anxiety, some depression. So you have some lump in your throat. Who, you know, why, that, that's not a huge deal." Well, it's not compared to something like cancer. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that, but it's, it's a very unpleasant way to live with all this stuff combined. It, it makes... It, it's really drained a lot of the enjoyment out of life. I'm not suicidal. I've never been suicidal. Even when the depression from this was at its highest. Never once did I have that thought, but... Uh, At the same time, uh, I'm not happy. And that's the first time in my life I can say that uh, on a day-to-day basis, that's true. I've had periods of time where there's something happening that makes me unhappy for the moment, but these were things I always knew would pass and did. But this is something that may not pass. On top of that, um, I've become more sensitive to anything else that is going, seems to be going wrong with my body or my health, to so where I start noticing things that before I would ignore, and I say, "Okay, well, I wonder if this is related," or you know, I get a lot more concerned now. So I've been going for more tests for things that bother me, like when I had some abdominal pain that wasn't going away for a week. So I've had a bunch of tests, and unfortunately, one of the tests did reveal a level of something that was abnormal. I won't go into what that is, but uh, I'm going for a special ultrasound on Monday that may tell more. And it's it's something that if I do have, it would be very bad, much worse than LPR, much worse than the anxiety and depression, something that would be pretty serious if I have it. Um, at the moment it's looking like I probably don't have it. You know, if I had to guess, if if someone said, which way do you want to bet? I would definitely bet on the no side, but it's something that is, is now, uh, in the realm of, uh, of possibility, shall I say. And that's, that's also been, uh, very bothersome that, and that's unrelated to all this other stuff. This is, and the reason it's all coming at once is, as I said, I've, I've been taking a lot more tests and, uh, yeah, you know, I have been much more aware or shall I say concerned of any anything that feels wrong than I was before. Where before if there was something that like let's say before my stomach was hurting for a week, I I would I I'd probably wait longer. But now I'd go to the doctor because I I have this unknown with the LPR. Because LPR it's it's not something that's uh it's kind of a, a general description for what your symptoms are, but it's not, uh, it's not something that is specific. So sometimes what is described as LPR can be something much more serious. Usually not, but occasionally it is. So when I start noticing other abnormal things happening, then I go to the doctor when otherwise I would not have done it. So this has caused me to find something that uh, otherwise I probably would not have found or known about. But... It's something that if it's true, it's good to know about. Otherwise, it could do a lot of major damage or even kill me. So this all really sucks, as you might imagine. And it makes me feel different uh, about, uh, you know, I I knew what age I was before. I I knew that... uh, There's a good chance more than half my life has passed already. I knew that even, uh, you know, maybe I'd be dead in 30 years. I or it could be less than 30 years. You know, I I, I knew I wasn't a young man anymore, but I I also just felt normal on a day to day basis. I didn't feel like that much different on a day to day basis than I did in my 20s. And when you feel that way, it's, it's hard to really take seriously that you're getting older or even about your own mortality because from day to day, you're just going and feeling fine. And it's kind of hard to imagine uh, that one day it's going to come that you're just going to be gone or or very sick aside from temporarily but now that I've been going through this for a month and a half uh, even though the, the LPR and, and the other things uh, aside from this one other thing I'm talking about that's possible um, these other things are probably not something that would be long term harmful or fatal in any way it's, it's really uh, give me a different perspective because I don't feel the same every day I don't feel the same as I used to when I was younger and and now it's become a challenge every night to go to sleep and a lot of other things have become a challenge that were so easy before and and now I have these, these new anxiety problems which make it hard to do a lot of things that were very easy before So it sucks, and, and of all things to hit me, it has to be something that has to do with the throat, so I can't even do radio and forget about it every every week. And that's why there hasn't been a show, because it has to do with my throat. If this was some, some other part of me, even something much more serious, I would still be doing this show, provided I had the energy to do it. But it has to do with my throat and something where I'm not supposed to use my voice that much, so... Of all things, I can't do the damn show, which sucks. So that's what's going on. Um, I'm going to be trying a lot of things. I, I'm doing that video uh, video stroboscopy as soon as this cold goes away. I had to keep delaying it. because I, I don't want to do it with a cold because they're just going to see a cold in there. It's not, I, I want them to see the way things look when I don't have a cold so we can get a better picture of what's really going on. Like if they see a bunch of mucus in there. I, I don't want to gross you out here, but if they see a bunch of mucus in my throat... That would be significant if I didn't have a cold. Uh but if they see it now, I, I won't know why they're seeing it. It could be because there is a lot of mucus there when it shouldn't be, or that because I have a cold. So like I can't have that. I've got to <coughs> Yeah, like I've gotta wait for that to go away. I've gotta wait for the, for, for uh, me to feel like I don't have a cold at all before I, I get that done. So I'm gonna get those that test done. And I'm gonna get that ultrasound done for that other potential problem. And, and once that's going on, I'm going to start some other kind of low risk treatments for LPR that others have reported have worked for them. A lot of, uh, little natural supplements and, uh, things like raw honey and little things like that that people have taken and noted that they've gotten relief from. So, yeah, I figure why not, why not try those things? I'm even considering trying uh, nasal steroids which the doctor has to prescribe you I'll see how the doctor feels about it of course and I couldn't get it unless he prescribed it anyway but uh, you know I, maybe that would help and if I don't like the side effects from it I can always just uh, not use them but I'm willing to try anything that's low risk to see how they will uh, work for this LPR. And I want to try pretty much every low-risk solution, even ones that are kind of a long shot, see if I can at least bring the symptoms down to something manageable. And I'm hoping that I can do that. And I'm hoping that if I do that, then the anxiety problems will go away on their own. And I'm hoping that uh, this other stuff I've uncovered, which is unrelated to all this, is also nothing. It's a lot to hope for, to be honest. If you saw me walking around outside, I would look normal. You, you, I'd look like the same guy except uh, 25 pounds less. So thats uh, I forgot to mention that. I lost a lot of weight in a short time. Um, once the anxiety started, again, about five days after the LPR started, I lost 17 pounds in two weeks. 17 pounds in two weeks! That is a lot of weight to lose in two weeks. Especially because it wasn't water weight. This isn't where someone's in a weight loss bet and they they sweat off a bunch of pounds so they can win the bet. Or, or, Or like a wrestler or a boxer that does the same thing to get the weight down to get in a better weight class. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... I was—I had no problem with, with drinking fluids. This wasn't water weight. This was 17 real pounds melted off my body in two weeks. Then in the next two weeks, another eight pounds fell off. Now since then, it's been about the same. But I've lost about 25 pounds, 17 of which in the first two weeks. Since August 20th. Probably between August 20th and uh, the beginning of September, I lost 25 pounds. Insane, huh? So ironically, the diet I was talking about, where I said I want to lose about 22 pounds, I've actually exceeded that without even trying. I wasn't, I, I gave up on the weight loss thing once this all started. I said, well, screw the weight loss. I'll worry about that later. Well, no, it took care of itself. Now, why did I lose so much weight? Well, two reasons. At first, when the anxiety was getting so bad, I was just never hungry. But I was forcing myself to eat, but I just wasn't that hungry. But the other thing is, when you have anxiety, especially for some reason to males more often than females, uh, your body, it gets into a fight-or-flight kind of mode to where it thinks it's constantly in danger, and it raises the metabolism, and it starts burning off fat real fast. So if you've got the one-two punch of not eating much and having anxiety all day and all night, you you lose a lot of weight real fast, faster than you'd ever lose at dieting or exercising. So I went from 241 to 216. I'm actually a little bit less than 216, I think I'm probably like 214 now. And I'm actually in a position I never thought I would be, and that is that a little bit worried that I will have to start being concerned about being underweight. I'm nowhere near there, but I'd say I could lose about 30 to 35 more pounds to where I don't have to start worrying. Then if I lose that, then I'll have to say, well, look, I I really hope I don't lose anything more. And then if I lose like another 25 pounds, I think it would get dangerous at that point as far as uh, being too underweight. And that's possible if this all continues. So I've noticed a correlation of uh, weight loss and anxiety, a very strong correlation for the reasons I said, that if I'm feeling the anxiety is higher, then the weight seems to be going down, even if I am eating. I've eaten, I've eaten, yeah, plenty here recently. I'm not not like I used to. I eat a lot less than I used to, but I'm eating normally now for like a normal person. But uh, if the anxiety is there, I will lose weight because of the higher metabolism. It's not particularly healthy to have lost the weight the way I did. You're supposed to lose weight slowly. You're not supposed to drop 17 pounds in two weeks. That's that's bad. 25 pounds in four weeks. That's also bad. If you're obese, if you're, you're 500 pounds and lose 25 pounds in a month, that's fine. But not, not, not the weight I was. You're not supposed to lose it that fast. So if you saw me walking around, I, I would look normal to you. I probably sound normal to you. But I'm not. I am not. If you read my writing on the on the forum I probably seem normal But I'm not And sometimes people On the surface can seem like everything's fine But in reality it's not In reality they can have a lot of Issues in the background That really disrupt their life Why am I doing this show just because uh, I wanted to give everybody an explanation of what's going on I just I just vanished after the August 15th show and I know I put on Twitter what was happening in, you know a little bit but I wanted you guys to hear it from me now a few other things going on that I'll shut this down there's a lot I actually want to talk about but I just I know that would not be healthy for me to do to talk that long. Uh, I want to address something that happened on the forum Caused some controversy A lot of controversy I felt very bad about I don't talk about the forum that much On this show, but This happened, and I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen um, C Money, who has been very, very generous To Poker Fraud Alert over the years He's been the biggest free roll donor By far for this show. He's also staked a number of people to the World Series, and, and the people he was staking weren't professional poker players. These were these were just recreational players who were broke. Guys who, who never were going to have a prayer of playing the World Series event in their life, to be honest. And he was nice and would just put them in, knowing they probably didn't have that much of a chance, knowing he was a pretty bad investment in all likelihood, but he put it in because he wanted to be nice and really give these people their dream to come to Las Vegas and uh, and play a World Series of Poker event. So He did some really, really nice things like that. Uh, I know there's a lot of people on the site who are very grateful for everything he did, for all of his generosity. I am grateful. I always have been. I always will be. He didn't have to do any of this. It doesn't matter if successful and has a lot of money. He doesn't have to give it to us. So very, very nice of him to do. But unfortunately, he got involved in some controversy. And I was kind of in the middle of it and placed in a bad position. What happened was that um, he started receiving some harassment, some anonymous harassment and threats anonymously, like people would send him threatening text messages uh, under burner text accounts that were hard to trace or impossible to trace. And um, this was bothering him more and more, especially because he is married and has a child. And he didn't know what to do. And he was coming to me about it, and I gave him some suggestions, but... You know, when that's happening, sometimes there's only so much you can do, especially if the threats are kind of nonspecific. If someone's messaging you, hey, I'm going to come down and kill you or kill your family, yeah, you know, then he can bring it to the police, and sometimes the police will take some action and it can be tracked down after a lot of work on the police's side. But if you're getting threats which are not... Uh, of a violent nature but just ones that are threatening to disrupt your life or harass loved ones or just someone obnoxiously stating information, personal information and family information that they've uncovered where there's not a specific threat attached to it but it's implied, as you can imagine, that's pretty disturbing to receive. Now, I, I don't know why this was happening to him. I don't know why someone would be treating him this way after everything he did for the forum but, but there are some unstable and screwed up people out there, and and these type of things can happen. So um, what he decided to do, he, he made a mistake by thinking that if he claims that he has cancer, that maybe whoever is threatening him will feel like he's suffering enough and go away. He didn't consult me about this. He didn't. Say, hey, here's an idea he just posted that he had skin cancer and is in the process of fighting it. wasn't true. He didn't have skin cancer when he posted it. I asked him, are you know, is this true? I was wondering, hey, maybe maybe he does have skin cancer. He didn't run it by me. He didn't say anything to me about it. So, no, he he told me he didn't really have it, but that he feels this is his only way out, and that uh, maybe. Uh, What it seemed like to me, his plan was, and I, again, I didn't think this was right and I didn't support this. I thought that just simply, you know, for example, he just wanted to claim I'm I'm leaving the forum. um, Even if he wanted to claim he had unspecified health problems. Uh, You know, I'm having some unspecified health problems. I want to leave the forum. I'm going to leave the forum and the radio show. I'm, I'm leaving the sites completely. You know, goodbye, everybody. I think that would be enough to get people off his back, to be honest. But but he actually specified it was cancer. But that's uh, my my thought was he what he was doing was that this was kind of his way out of the community. This was kind of the way, and yes, he can leave any time. And I'm like a way out of the community to where anyone bothering him would think, okay, you know, the, the, no reason to do this anymore. He's he's leaving the community, and he's. Uh, he has cancer. That's what I. Th- that's where I thought he was going with. It. I thought. I thought this was kind of his version of farewell, even if the reason was BS. So while I didn't like it, I didn't say anything, especially because I didn't want to piss off whoever was harassing him and have them bother him more. Like if I came out and said, "Hey, guess what? Everybody, see, money doesn't have cancer," uh, then whoever was harassing and would probably even get angrier. So I didn't want to do that. Had C. Money approached me before and said, hey, I'm about to do this, I would have said, no, 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 don't do this. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea for various reasons. Uh, First of all, just about everybody has someone that was a victim of cancer in their family or a close friend. You probably know someone who's been victimized by cancer is the point and it's it's not something you joke about it's not something you make up second you know people know that I know C-Money personally that Brandon knows C-Money personally people of course go to us and ask them and ask us you know is C-Money really suffering from cancer so what are we supposed to say at that point I didn't want to lie for anyone Brandon didn't want to lie for anyone like we're we're not going to lie to people that we talk to and back this story so I was in this position where I don't want to make things worse for him and say he's lying about it, especially after all he's done for the community. But at the same time, I don't want to validate this story and get involved in perpetuating this lie. So I, I just was giving non-committal answers like, I don't know, I haven't really verified it with him, or that's what he's saying, I don't know, I'd say things like that. But I, I hated even saying things like that. But I thought that's where it was going to end. Unfortunately, um, C-Money decided to take it to another level without asking me again and decided to kill himself off. So he had China Maniac, who's a friend of his and has co-hosted the show before. China Maniac came forward and said that C-Money has passed away. Which, of course, really, really affected a lot of people and a lot of people were very, very uh, depressed about it, and it really affected the community, as you might imagine. And it wasn't true. So now I was really in a bad uh, spot. And this happened right as my LPR was getting really bad. So I'm dealing with that happening, and I'm dealing with all the anxiety and, and depression that was hitting me at the same time. And then this is happening. I'm like, oh, no, What the worst timing ever? So, I, I was just about, and I was discussing with Brandon. We were just we, Brandon and I were both very unhappy about this, and we would neither of us came out into that C money died thread and said anything. We didn't say he died. We didn't say he didn't die. We just said nothing, which was very suspicious to people. Why we would say nothing? Because if he really died, wouldn't we come out there and pose a memorial for him? Like, how could we, how could we be saying nothing if he died? So, I talked about it with Brandon. I was just about to write an email to C-Money to tell him that this can't continue. And that uh, this needs to be, the truth needs to be admitted to in some way. And I was going to... Tell him that he needs to come up with something Because this isn't right I, I was going to, just about to send him that email But then I said Oh let me see how the, the C-Money death threat is doing And I looked at it and there, there it was uh, He admitted that you know, He came out there and basically said That wasn't true Sorry everybody And then as you can imagine There was a massive backlash from that And rightfully so I understand and then there was a massive backlash against me. Some people were very angry that I didn't stop it earlier and that it, you know, that it stopped itself before I stopped it. But why didn't I come forward immediately when he put out the fake cancer? Why didn't I come forward at least when he put out the fake death? And uh, I tried to explain to everybody why I didn't, and I just explained to you guys why I didn't. But I understood why everybody was frustrated. And I understood why everybody was angry. And, you know, there were a lot of people insulting me in that thread, and I didn't fight back, and I didn't uh, get offended. I, I understood why they were mad. And I was apologizing. I was... I was if if I could go back and do all this all over again, what I would have done, and this is and this is not based upon the fact that you know people were suspicious and it was figured out. I'm talking about really what the right thing to have done was, is that shortly after the cancer thing was first posted, I should have gone to see money, and said that I don't feel comfortable with this on my site, and that he needs to come back and very quickly tell everyone either it was a level or that it was a misdiagnosis and he's fine. I'd have been okay if like. The next day, he came in and said, "Oh, sorry, everybody. It turned out to be misdiagnosis." Then the damage is limited, at least. But uh, I should have stopped it there. And with the death thing, I I should have jumped in a little sooner, which I would have, but I was really going through my own hell at that time. So that happened. The smoke from that has mostly cleared by now. But anybody who was affected by that, I'm, I'm, I really apologize. And it's sometimes, it's sometimes difficult as the owner of, of a site like this, that with, with this free speech sort of atmosphere. A lot of times it's hard to make the right decision all the time. This one, I really felt like I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't. I felt like no matter what action I took, someone was going to get hurt. And it was a very tough thing to deal with. But I still didn't make the right decision, ultimately. I should have handled it differently. I should have put a stop to it earlier. I should have told C-Money, don't. It also came out, and this is one of the reasons people were mad at me and suspicious of my motivations, but it also came out that C Money had bought pieces of me in the uh, 2018 World Series of Poker, that he he had 40% of me in two 10k events. He didn't get any money out of it because I bricked both of them, but he had 40% of me in two 10k events. So people thought, oh, no wonder Dref is going along with this. C-Money bought his silence through World Series stakes. No wonder Dref played all these 10K events this year. Absolutely false. Absolutely false. Uh, one thing I've had no trouble doing has been selling pieces of myself for the World Series of Poker. Every year it sells out. Every year I have to turn people away when they want to buy pieces. I could have sold that same 40% to the public and did so successfully. In fact, one of those events that C-Money bought, I did sell in previous years, and that was a 10K Limit Hold'em. And I sold it very quickly. So there's just one more event, the 10K 08. I could have thrown that in too and sold that as well. Guarantee I could have sold those if I wanted to. It collected the exact same money that I got from C-Money. So it, was, it would have been a complete wash as far as money was concerned. And I'm not doing creative accounting here. I mean, very simply, if C-Money was never even born, I could have played the same events this year with the same amount of backing. It just would have been from other people. That's the exact same terms. Why? Because I've been around a long time because I have this show. Because people trust me. So there's a lot of interest, and because I put a lot of updates out, so people enjoy those. There's a lot of interest to buy pieces of me. And I appreciate that. I do. So that had nothing to do with it. Why, why did I only sell those to see money and not to anybody else? Uh, because, uh, mainly because it's kind of a pain in the ass to sell a lot of small pieces. So I separated. I, I sold the smaller events combined to the general public. And I sold these two events these two larger events just to see money. Just just to make it a little bit easier on me as, as far as collecting money and distributing money if I cash. That's all. So yeah, it saved me a little bit of time but it, it did not save me money. And for the record for the last few years C-Money had not bought any pieces of me other than in 2018. So... Believe me, no financial motivation. I I did appreciate, though, that he had donated to the Poker fraudulent Free Roll and that he had put users into events. And by the way, the people he put into events, uh, for the most part, were not my friends. So it's not like these were close friends of mine that he was putting in. These were just random guys on the forum. So I'm glad he did it. And it it was, it made me feel good to see that happening, seeing these uh, dreams come true for people. But, you know, it was, it was a tough spot and and he, he really has been very good to the community. So I want to close it by saying this. Yes, I didn't handle it perfectly. Yes, I feel bad about the whole thing. Yes, I feel C. Money himself made a big mistake here. Two big mistakes. But uh, he, he was doing this not to be malicious and not to screw with people, but more to get out of it. More to get away from whoever was bothering him. And he did it in a ill-advised fashion. And if you look for the years he's been on Poker Fraud Alert and all he has done all the money he's put forth out of the goodness of his heart all the free rolls he's paid for all the contests he's paid for all the stakes he's put out just to be nice this is someone who didn't ask for anything in return I think you can forgive him. It's not to say what he did is right. It's not to say you don't have a right to be pissed about it. You do. But people do stupid things and make stupid mistakes. And this wasn't a malicious thing. It was just a, a plan that was stupid and that was kind of... Uh, it was ignoring the fact that it would hurt people emotionally. No one got hurt financially or physically from it, but some people got hurt emotionally from it. And uh, and that's why it was bad. He didn't mean to do that, but that, that's what happened. And that's why I feel bad. But I think everybody should forgive him and move on. And uh, you know, he's left the site anyway, so... That's that. No more C money. So that happened. I'm about to end this here. But let's see if there's anything else I want to talk about before shutting this down. Let's see. So many different... This is one of these things where there's so many different things that I could... Bring up from the last month and a half I don't even know where to start I don't even know where to start uh, Let's see here I don't know why this is popping into my head But uh, Adam Schwartz Fresh off of 2 plus 2 is uh, starting another or has started already a new show away from two plus two. and Terence Chan, his partner on two plus two, the poker cast, he's involved too. But again, it is not on two plus two. So where is this show? and who is he doing it with besides Terence Chan? Well if you haven't heard, The third person is none other than Daniel Negreanu. Mm. It's called Dat Poker Show, D-A-T Poker Show. It's for Daniel, Adam, and Terrence. They've already had a few episodes. I can tell you Mason Malmuth is pissed (laughs) because he hates Negreanu. And here Terrence and Adam, who had been working on 2 Plus 2 all this time and were paid for doing so, left and claimed they were done. And then they started another show very soon after that with Daniel, which is curious. Because you'd think, okay, you know, and and by the way, I like Adam a lot. I met him for the first time at this past World Series. We, We happened to, be seated next to each other on a day two of an Omaha event. And we had him on this show in one of our last episodes before my health problems forced me out. And he's a listener of this show. I think very highly of Adam. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to hold my tongue. I'm not going to bite my tongue here. I got to tell you. It's a little bit weird to me that that he seemed like he was just kind of done, like kind of just sick of doing these radio shows. It's been so long. It's not paying you what it once was. And he just kind of felt like he was burnt out. And that made sense to me when he said that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can totally get that. But it's kind of weird when you're so burnt out that so shortly after that, you do another show. And not one that's that much different. A little bit different, but it's not that much different just in a different place and now it's associated with Daniel Negreanu instead of uh, Mason Mammoth. So I don't know if this was a planned thing, that they're going to leave and then jump over to work with Daniel or if uh, I think more likely that they actually did quit because they kind of felt it was stale and they were kind of sick of it and they were kind of done and then Daniel... Somehow expressed this interest And that Kind of got them excited again And of course They couldn't return to do this on 2 plus 2 with Daniel Because there's no way Mason would allow it Nor would Daniel want to work with Mason That's my guess But it's still kind of weird to me That You go from Oh I'm sick of this I don't want to do this anymore To Oh here's our new podcast So uh, I, I haven't heard this new show. I heard little clips of it, but I haven't heard much of it. As I've been dealing with my own problems here, but it's it's uh, been well regarded, from what I've heard. People seem to be enjoying it, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, Adam and Terrence are are both good on the radio, and uh, Daniel is personable as well, regardless of uh, any criticism you might have of him in his recent actions involving poker stars, but Daniel is a personable guy. So I, I can see why that would be well-received. Just kind of interesting timing. I know Adam wrote a lot of good things about Mason, but maybe there was something behind the scenes that they were just kind of sick of Mason. I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> Okay, so that, that happened. Um, there's currently a controversy going on. Uh, John Mahaffey, he is a writer, a blogger. He, he, he's read, written a lot of articles for uh, various sites that report poker and Las Vegas news. He generally does very good and thorough reporting. Uh very good casino reporter about different things going on in casinos, different things going on in poker, online, and brick and mortar. He's just a, you know, if you want to read good articles about poker and gambling, he's a very good source and he's rarely uh, incorrect. Usually what he writes is relevant and interesting. I, I think highly of him. He lives in Vegas. I think he's, Kind of around my age, somewhere in that, in that range. Never met him in person. He has a few posts on Poker Fraud Alert over the years. But he is in a battle right now with Seth Polanski and Caesars. Over the matter of WSOP.com. Uh, it looks like, from what I can tell, John's in the right. And this goes back over a year. This started over a year ago when something really weird happened. He deposited $400 at the cage at the Rio to play on WSOP.com. Cash. He just brought $400 cash down to the cage and said, hey, I put this in my WSOP.com account. And they did. <coughs> and he played for a few weeks on there at low limits. He said he raked $273 so that's, you know, they collected in rake almost 3 quarters of his deposit. He did win so his 400 became a whopping 411 so he made 11 bucks after the rake. So he went to go cash out and they said no. And he said what do you mean no? What what do you mean I can't cash out? What's wrong? And they said to him that they felt that he had not played enough on his $400 deposit. (laughs) And he said, what? Not played enough? How's that possible? I've raked $273 on a $400 deposit. You guys have raked almost Three quarters of what I put in. How could that not be playing enough? And besides, you have no legal right to do that. Nevada law says that whenever I want to cash out, I can cash out. So then, knowing that he was correct, then they changed their tune and they said to him, "Oh well, uh, actually, you need to send us some bank statements to verify the legitimacy of the money you put in." He says, "What? I put in cash." What do you mean bank statements? And they said, well, okay, how about this $25 deposit you made a few months ago? That one wasn't by cash, so we, we want to see uh, proof that that was legitimate. Look, like They were coming up with every reason and changing it constantly, according to his story, as to you know, why he has to jump through all these different hoops to get his money, his whopping $411, of which 400 was money he put in, in the first place. Why this was happening, I don't know. He still doesn't know. It's not clear why they were being so difficult about this, but they, they just were getting so uh, stubborn with giving him his money for no good reason. So he wrote an article about it, criticizing com customer support. Well, this got the powers that be at WSOP.com very angry. And... Um, They paid him, but then they emailed him, this is in September 2017, they emailed him to say that his self-ban has been processed and he is now banned from the site. He said, no, 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 I never asked to be banned. What are you talking about? Because you have a right by responsible gaming laws in Nevada to be banned from the site if you want, but he never asked for that. So he said, no, no, it's a mistake here. I never asked to be banned. They said, "Oh, oh, we're sorry. No, you didn't ask to be banned, but we're banning you because you violated our terms of service. And he's like, what? What terms of service? They, they wouldn't tell him. They just uh, told him he's banned. He violated their terms. He's gone. So he thought clearly this had to be because of this blog he wrote about how their customer service treated him when he tried to withdraw that money. That this was like a retaliatory ban. So he decided to make a complaint to Nevada Gaming about this. In September 2017 And he was just about to follow it up When A gentleman Known as Stephen Paddock Shot up a concert from the Mandalay Bay Window And killed 58 people And wounded hundreds more And uh, Knowing that gaming was Involved in the investigation of the whole thing Because he was a Casino player, Stephen Paddock uh, John felt bad about uh, hassling gaming at that time about hey you know wh- what's the story with my complaint so he he didn't follow it up so he kind of just let it lapse so John was still banned and he didn't really follow it up for a number of months and then uh, in April 2018 maybe with the World series coming up soon he decided that he uh, wanted to talk to Seth Polanski to see if he could get his band lifted so uh, he talked to Seth and the reason he chose Seth is Seth is uh, heavily involved in both the World Series of Poker itself and WSOP.com Seth also has a high position at the World Series of Poker he's uh, pretty much the second in command the tied for second in command you you have uh, Ty Stewart who's at the top at the World Series of Poker and then Jack Ethel is the tournament director, and on his same level as Seth. But Seth, uh, he doesn't uh, really run anything from the operational side, but he uh, he handles the uh, marketing and the media. That's that's what he's in charge of there. I'm not sure exactly what his role is at wsop.com, but I know he he is involved in that. So John contacted Seth to see if maybe Seth can. Uh, get this whole thing corrected. He said that uh, Seth was professional and polite in their discussions in April 2018, but that Seth claimed the ban was justified. I don't know what reasoning Seth used, but Seth would not back down on the ban. He also said that uh, <clears throat> at wcbcom they were very unhappy that John had written that unflattering article about them. And that they felt it was hurting their business. So, John, eventually, I don't know why it took some time, but uh, eventually John emailed Seth that he was going to be taking the whole situation back to the gaming regulators. He claimed it wouldn't be a formal complaint, but that uh, he'd be notifying them as to what happened and and was basically going to try to get the uh, gaming regulators to have them, you know, to guide them into not making the same mistake going forward. Basically, I'm not making a formal complaint against you guys, but I'm telling them what happened so they can make sure you don't do this to anybody else. That, that's basically what John was saying. So then John claims that Seth did not take kindly to this and wrote the following to him on August 6, 2018. Of course you can take any action that you feel you must. We aren't threatened by any of it. We will take actions from this point forward to prevent you from spreading misinformation about our company and we'll do what we feel is necessary, including refusing your service at all of our land-based properties uh, in addition to pursuing legal action against you. Wow. There we go bit late on the sound effect. So basically threatening John that they're going to ban him from all Caesar's properties and sue him if he continues to write uh, what they call misinformation about com. So John was not intimidated by this and in fact wrote another blog describing what was going on here. And John claimed that he is protected by anti-slap legislation, anti-slap legislation. That, that, that's, those are laws that are in place in certain states, including Nevada, to quickly get lawsuits dismissed, which are filed for the reason of chilling someone's free speech. So uh, it was found, it was actually in California where these anti-slap laws started and then they spread to other states. But it was found by California that rich people and, uh, and well-bankrolled companies would sometimes threaten people not to write bad things about them, like on the internet, by threatening them with lawsuits. And even if what the person was writing was true, because you have the right to write anything as long as it's true. That's, that's the way free speech works in this country, that you, uh, as long as what you're writing is true, you have a right to say it. Unless unless you've signed a non-disclosure agreement or something like that, but other than that, if something happens, and you want to tell people what happened, or if you know of something that you want people to know about, you, you have a right to say it as long as it's true. If it's not true, then you can be uh, sued for you know, libel or slander. But uh, as long as it's true, you have a right to put it out there. So what was happening in, in California, the state noticed that uh, someone would write something unflattering about a company, and a company would come to them and say, Okay, we're going to bury you in legal expenses. If you continue writing this, you will have to spend so much money defending lawsuits about this that even if you win, you lose. Even if you win the lawsuit, all you're going to win is as a defendant. So you won't owe us any money, but you will have spent huge money on lawyers to defend this. So you better stop. And it would work. People would say, I don't want to have to spend my life savings on lawyers to back this. So they'd stop. So anti-slap was meant to prevent this. Anti-slap uh, is a quick way to get these type of lawsuits dismissed. And also, if a lawsuit is dismissed based upon anti-slap... Then the plaintiff has to pay all of the defendant's legal fees and sometimes additional penalties as well. So it's meant to discour- discourage any kind of lawsuit that is filed for uh, in order to uh, prevent someone's free speech. John Mahaffey actually in two thousand fifteen. Had some involvement in some activism to uh, strengthen or maintain anti-slap in Nevada when it was coming under some attack. So he knows a lot about it there, and, and he's he basically said, "I'm protected by anti-slap here, and I'm not afraid. Go ahead and sue me." Interestingly, even though the threat was on August sixth, as of today, John is not banned from any Caesar's properties, and he has not been sued. But we'll see. He just put out that blog on yesterday, the 27th. So we will see if anything further happens. How do I feel about this? I feel John is in the right. And I'm I'm kind of perplexed as to what is going on here. I, I don't know why they would have prevented this cash out in the first place. I don't know why they were so mad at him for just telling the true and correct version of the story, assuming it's true. I can't see why John would have made all this up. That's not like him. And I don't understand why they didn't just apologize to him for the whole thing and be done with it. I don't see why the, why the ban and, and why the retaliation and why the threat. I don't get it. I, I know from experience that WSOP.com doesn't like when people write bad things about them. I, I once wrote some true but unflattering things about them when they first opened about some customer service problems I had, not as bad as John's, but I had a 45 minute conversation on the phone with Seth about it and he didn't threaten me or anything. And, uh, you know, it was a cordial conversation, but, um, I, I, know that they weren't happy that I wrote these things, but what I said at the time was, but the, I said, look, this, this stuff really happened. It's true. You know, you just, you got to get it right. just, I understand you've got some growing pains, but uh, this is constructive criticism. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it's constructive criticism. Just uh, correct it. (laughs) And I I think that's all John was looking for. Here's a bad experience I'm having here. uh, Correct it. So that, that's what they should have done. Now, if he had written things that were untrue or very misleading or anything like that, I would, totally understand the legal threats and all that. That would totally make sense if he bashed them with wholly untrue information or highly misleading information. Now, I don't know for sure. I don't have proof that everything John wrote is correct. I don't have proof that John did not leave out major parts of the story. Maybe if if I knew the whole thing, maybe I'd say, oh, okay, well, it actually makes sense why the World Series did this. Okay, well, John's in the wrong. But I don't think so. I'd be very surprised if that were to be the case because John has been around for a long time and he has never done anything like this. He's he's never been known to be dishonest or grossly inaccurate or a provocateur in any way. He's been known to be opinionated and uh, state his feelings when he thinks something is wrong but but uh, I, I haven't seen it where he does that and it turns out that he lied or was highly inaccurate or, or big time exaggerating. I've just never seen that with him. So I, I have to believe his story is probably very close to the truth. So when, when someone writes something bad about your company on the internet, uh, the right thing to do is look and say, okay, is this true? Okay, if it's true, then, then, you know, see if you can work with the person. See if you can apologize, you know, maybe get them to write a follow up or whatever. You know, I, I I just don't think it's right to threaten people with consequences because they write something unflattering about your company when your company actually was guilty of what they're writing about. Or even mostly guilty. Let, let's say John is, is 15% wrong of what he wrote there. I'm not saying he is, but let's say his article was 85 percent accurate. Well, still, that that still looks very bad for them. I don't get it. Okay, that, that's that's our topic. That's that's our, our poker topic for uh, for the week. I've talked way too long. Hope this uh, gives some people something to listen to. I don't know when I'll do this again. I'll have to see how what this does to my voice and what this does to my LPR. I might have a hell of a night tonight Trying to go to sleep I don't know I just miss doing radio I think this was a longer show Than I intended it to be So Hopefully it's not going to bite me in the ass um, I usually at this point Tell you when the next show is going to be But Obviously, I can't do that. Uh, I, if I'm feeling okay, you know, I may decide to throw in a show like this every so often until I get better. If this uh, causes a major uh, escalation in symptoms, this is probably something I won't do again. So we'll have to see. But I missed it. I missed. Uh, I missed this whole thing and. I just felt like, you know, it'll feel better to do this. At least, uh, emotionally. Hmm, it's kind of sad listening to this music, because it it used to be the end of like a long show, used to be where i talk about coming back next week and all that. And here I'm just saying, I don't know when I'll come back, and I may not come back, if this ends up making me worse. Uh, doesn't that suck I, I wish I could just go back like two months Two months ago I was in Alaska I was feeling great I had no idea something like this was coming A month and a half ago I was okay This is so crazy It's not like I'm looking back ten years And saying oh when I was ten years younger Everything was so much better No a month and a half ago I was so much better That freaking joke Okay people I don't know if uh, you guys are religious, but if you want to pray for me, (laughs) go ahead. Unless there's somebody with a more serious illness that you know, pray for them instead of me, then. I'm not that selfish. Okay, everybody. That's all for tonight. Sorry it's not long, but longer than I expected. Enjoy. Good night. Shalom.